when we look into the Bible, um, we actually see that the Easter message and the Jesus leading up to Easter and the Easter story takes up quite a bit of the Gospels. And yet the Christmas story is quite a short story. We do get the genealogy, but Jesus' birth is quite small, and yet the Easter message is quite big. The days leading up to Jesus' arrest, his crucifixion, the empty tomb, the days following his resurrection and reappearance are covered extensively, as we know. But in comparison, we seem to celebrate Christmas a lot more than we celebrate Easter. And Easter seems to come along, and before you know it, it's gone. And all you end up seem to do is wiping up chocolate hand marks, you know, of everything after the kids have finished the last Easter egg. You know what I mean? It seems that Easter is always on fast forward on the video, and it's a shame. So. We, we, I think as Christians we need to slow down that message. We need to slow down Easter. And I can understand why we want to rush through the first part. It's grisly. It's awful. You know, our Lord and Saviour, if you're reading through the Gospels, He's teaching, He's encouraging, He's growling at times, you know. But it's just great, great, great. And then suddenly He comes to that place where He's arrested and it seems to go all downhill. You know, it was God's plan, but it still is ugly reading. And if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, and, and I haven't actually watched it. I didn't want to watch it. I've seen so many in my previous job, so many people beaten up and so many people, you know, maimed in many ways. I just didn't want to watch that of Christ. But you've got that understanding of what he went through. But Easter Sunday is different. Easter Sunday is actually a celebration. And Christmas is a celebration and we spend months, you know, weeks celebrating it. It'd be great to just see us celebrate Easter Sunday a lot more. So what I really want to do today is uh, I want to look at the Easter Sunday message. Not necessarily just the cross, but the Easter Sunday message. And I'm going to start off by putting all my scriptures up, actually, for you to read through. Sometimes this is the only scripture people read, so bear with me. Once upon a time we used to bring Bibles to church, and we'd all wait for you to turn to the page. But now with this tech thing, everybody just gets it put up for them. So if I could have that first slide as we look at Matthew 28, and, and just read it through with me as we go. You don't have to read it out loud, but you can if you want to. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now you realize here now that it was actually the angel that rolled the stone away. It wasn't Jesus trying to get out, you know. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. And here's these famous words. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. You just imagine that popping up, you know. 
the Lord pops up. <laughs> they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. It's a great story, really. This is the exciting part. It's a day of celebration, as we can see, because out of that, the crucifixion, if it had been a man who just died and was left in the tomb, that would be the end of it. Great man, did some great things. Okay, God, you're great. You know, but because the tomb was empty, it's really where we begin. Jesus was not dead as thought. He had risen by the supernatural power of God. He had predicted this day right through his ministry. He knew it would happen. It was God's plan right from the beginning of time. It was not plan B. As I said before, angels had to roll the stone away just to show them that the tomb was empty. So what does this mean for us? So what does the empty tomb and Christ risen mean for us? So I'm just going to go through some of the areas. And you know the Bible tells us that as teachers of the word that we should bring new and we should be able to bring the old. And that sometimes we need to bring the old. You know, some people here might be looking for some new insight into the Easter message, but it's the old insight into the Easter message that we really need to be reminded of. It's what our foundations rest on. So in Ephesians we read, By God, but God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you or we have been saved. It's his grace that we've been saved. Alright, so we're made alive in Christ. Everyone in this room, give me a wave if you're alive. Well, most of you did that. <laughs> But there's a truth in people not waving to me. Because there's a difference between being alive and being alive in Christ. Alright? Remember that God's what God said to Adam, and the devil challenged him in this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now we know the devil challenged him on this point. And we know that by eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge, you know that Adam had disobeyed God, and he didn't die physically. But what did he die? He died spiritually. And that put him out of the Garden of Eden. Because the Garden of Eden was a perfect place. It was perfection. And sin couldn't stay in perfection. That's why sin can now go to heaven. Alright? We've got to leave sin behind. So Christ's resurrection gives mankind the opportunity to gain everything Adam lost, including a spiritual connection with God. And that's what we've got here. That's what we want. So we look at Colossians and it says, Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. 
So give me another wave. I'm not going to let you go to sleep today. Give me another wave if you've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and you're now in the kingdom of light. Alright? That was only possible through the resurrection. Alright? That was only possible through the open tomb. As it says, we need to be thankful for the resurrection. Who's thankful for the resurrection? Anybody? I heard a brief woo from somebody. Who's thankful for the resurrection? But none of us would be here, whether you're saved or not, none of us would be here without the resurrection. Because you got invited, you come to church, we wouldn't have a church, would we? We wouldn't have a church of Jesus Christ. As it says, we need to be thankful for the resurrection because without it, we couldn't be born again. We couldn't have an intimate relationship with God. When we ask Jesus our resurrected Saviour into our hearts, we become born again. And the resurrection process, dying to self and our flesh, begins, as the Apostle Paul and the prophet Ezekiel say, we'll just go to that one there, we go to Galatians, I have been, this is, this is who we are, this is, you should know this verse of my heart, because this is your life, this one here, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Alright, use the other hand just to exercise the other hand. Who knows that verse off by heart? Okay, there's, there's one hand there. I, I just challenge you to learn that verse because that is what your life is about. You now live by faith in the one who died for you. Your old life has been crucified. In other words, put to death, alright, on the cross. And now you live by faith in Jesus Christ. And you see what Ezekiel says there, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Alright? His love comes into our heart and his love flows through our heart to reach others. And that's what we want. The old is gone and the new has come. Who wants that? I do. I'm not happy with all my life. I'm not happy with my sin. I'm not happy with the ugliness of my life. But through the resurrection, I can have a new life. I can be a new person. So secondly, we speak, receive the breath of life. After Christ's resurrection, he appears amongst the disciples, as we read in John 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He had a habit of doing that, didn't he? Just pop up, you know? I'd like him to pop up in my life, actually. Not when I'm rowing with Sally Ann, but, you know, just pop up. No, she doesn't row, she doesn't argue. I just go blue in the face myself. Anyway, <laughs> after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. Now just stop there a minute. You know, there's different people say he had nails through his wrists and he had nails through his hands. You know, one thing when we get to heaven, when we meet him, we will be able to see where the hole actually is. Because he's taken those wounds back to heaven with him. And we'll be able to see that. You know, and people suffer in many ways. But sometimes we've got to look at our own hands and say, have I suffered enough to have been crucified? You know, we've got to look to him and say, he's our example. When Jesus breathed upon the disciples, it was quite symbolic, similar to God breathing in life into mankind when he formed Adam from the dust of the ground. So remember this, remember Adam, there's a connection all the time with Easter Sunday with Adam and the Garden of Eden. Jesus breathed, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, breathed life into Adam and into mankind. Adam and Eve gave it away. And so through Christ, he now breathes that back into our lives. It says in Genesis 2, 7, that then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. When Adam and Eve rebelled, they lost the breath of life, and slowly death took over. The gift of the Holy Spirit breathes new life into us, resulting in the impartation of the character and nature of God within us. Okay, so you see the character and the nature of God actually comes into us via the Holy Spirit. As we see in Romans 8, it says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. We don't often relate the baptism of the Holy Spirit or we don't relate the Spirit coming into us for Easter Sunday. But it's through Easter Sunday that we actually get the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit before his crucifixion. In fact, he told the disciples he needed to go to be with the Father to allow the Holy Spirit to come. So who is eligible for the wonderful Holy Spirit? Acts 2, 38, it says... Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. There are some churches that do not preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They do not even talk about the Holy Spirit. In fact, some of them, and I've met with some of the pastors, say that was for the book of Acts. That finished at the book of Acts. So it doesn't even enter into their church. They do not see the books of Acts being relevant as we do here in a Pentecostal church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We give room for the Holy Spirit. In fact, we want the Holy Spirit to run the whole show. Even though we probably do a lot ourselves, you know, we want Him to run it. And it's important that we preach and we teach that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It tells us quite clearly there. You could say it was for the disciples. It says the promise is for you and your children if He was talking to those people. It says also for all who are far off. Well, who does that? But then it says for all whom the Lord our God will call. And that's every one of you in this room. The Holy Spirit is for every one of you in this room. Alright? All who accept Jesus Christ as their Saviour. 
So another thing, thirdly, I want to look at, we are justified and made righteous by the resurrection. In the Old Testament, animals without blemish were used as sacrifices to atone for sin. But in our case, Jesus without sin was our sacrifice. Would you agree with me that Jesus did not sin? Doubt? Did Jesus sin? Let me hear. No. He was without blemish. Amen? And of course, it was God's plan. So he did pretty well, really, with all the temptations that were around. But in Romans 4, we read, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. This is the good news. So again, we come back to the tomb. He was put in there. We did not have justification. And justification means just as if it never happened. Alright? So in the tomb, a dead body, we would have the weight of our sins for the rest of our life. Out of the tomb, resurrection, all our sins are forgiven. In fact, as if they did not happen. Is that good news? It's really good news, especially to know where we want to go for eternity. We were made right with God because of the resurrection, and our sins are forgiven just as if they never happened. Let's look at Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If you wanted to fly to the North Pole, you could get there. You could easily leave a plane and fly to the North Pole. If you wanted to fly to the South Pole, you could get there. But if you wanted to get in a plane and fly east or west, you will never get there. Do you agree? On a map, you could have a piece a map and you could say well here's New Zealand if they actually put it on the map and you know I could fly over to this edge of the map but if you're actually flying around the world when are you going to get to east? you never get there and never if you go around the other way it's fine so see your sins as gone forever They're just as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our sins from us because of Jesus God has made us righteous in his sight giving us the gift of righteousness and even naming us the righteousness of Christ. As it says in Ephesians, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. When God looks down on us here, if he, he sees us through Christ. So if you can imagine us all lined up, and Christ there, God up there, he looks at, through Christ at us. So how does he see us? He sees us as pure and blameless. Who is between us and God? In a way, Christ is. That's why we ask the Lord to forgive us. He is our advocate, but God see and sees us under that umbrella. He sees us through Christ as pure and blameless. Now give me a wave if you're pure and blameless in your sight. None here is. Anybody else? What's he like, Irene? <laughs> 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 
Alright? So we have that advocate. We can come to Christ and ask for forgiveness. And so we should. Some people ask the question, if I sinned and then I died, would I get to heaven? Of course you would, because God sees you as pure and blameless. Alright? But we should keep a short account. We should be asking God regularly to forgive us. Alright? So we have a right standing with Him. But it's a wonderful story from Ephesians. So through the, through the resurrection, we have forgiveness of sin. God. Fourthly, I want to look at the resurrection gives us hope for today. 1 Peter, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope. And the New Living Translation says, in other words, a great expectation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Alright, what is this living hope? At one time, we had no hope. Before you had Christ, death was a problem for you. But in Romans 15, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope is something that we gain through the resurrection. Hope. It's that anticipation or expectation of there is something more for us. And by faith we receive that. So hope is our desires being joined with expectation. Death is the most hopeless thing there is. The thought of dying and having no eternal purpose must be depressing. Must be depressing. It is because of the resurrection of Christ, the eternal life He has placed in our hearts, that we can have joy unspeakable because we know He only has good plans for us. Who reads the Bible? Does anybody read the Bible these days? Anybody? That's well, about a third. It's a good book, actually. It's a really good book. Who knows where their Bible is? Praise God. You know, it's a good book. But as we read it, it gives us, realizes that we see more and more God's purposes and plans for our life. And it's supposed to be a good life. We're supposed to step into that good life. I've said it before, you know, I got angry one time. I'd been on the phone with, um, with somebody on the phone and they were telling me about all these miracles that were happening in American Samoa. They'd been on a mission trip there. And I wasn't angry with God. I wasn't angry. I just felt angry. And I just lay on the floor and I just thumped the floor. You know, it was just one of those moods. And I was praying, God, what have you got for me? Is it just to go to work and paint the house? This is before I was a pastor, by the way. <laughs> to clarify that, you know, what have you got for me, you know, what's the plan for my life? Because it's all very well for us to quote that verse, you know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, but we've got, actually got to find out what that is. And some of you might be waiting for that burning bush, you know, you're going to be going through life and suddenly, you know, one of your hedges catches fire, but you know, generally God will speak to you and tell you what the plan is for your life. And I was saying that to him, and it was within a very short time God told me missions. He said, I've called you to missions. Alright, but wait, tarry. And so it was an interesting process to see that outworked in my life. And we see Kaitaia as mission. 
we did think we might end up in Cambodia or India or somewhere like that, you know, but he chose Kaitaia for us, and praise God he did. Because we, oh, thank you. <laughs> because the thing is, we wanted to be where he wanted us to be. And that's where the fruit is. And you need to know where God wants you to be, because that's where the fruit is. Alright? Hawaii was nice. I did visit Hawaii. That was quite nice. Alright? But Kaitaia is just fantastic, because that's where God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Another area, so hope, we've got hope through the open tomb. Another area is enables us to have complete healing. Now this is a challenge, but let's have a look at what Isaiah says. He grew, and we need to be reminded of what Isaiah says about Christ. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen? By his wounds we are healed. God has always been a healer. However, when Jesus was raised from the dead, complete healing became available. In Malachi it says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out of pasture. And that's what I want to see today. I want to see you leaping with joy like calves let out of pasture. What do you think, Jeff? Where's Jeff? A dairy farmer. God wants us to have abundant life. As he says in John 10, the thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. God has a passion to see us whole in body, mind and spirit. What I want to do today, I think we've got time, is to find out if anybody wants healing this morning. And I'm not going to be yucky, just going to raise your hand and I'm just going to get people to pray for you. Alright, we're going to step into this. You can leap and prance like a new car if you're healed. I don't mind. Alright, but let's just stand for a minute. Alright, all those that are awake, just stand. You'll know who's asleep because they'll still be sitting. Just give them a nudge. Raise your hand if you feel you need healing this morning. Alright, you can see those right up higher. Please get around those people now. Somebody put their hands on them. Leaders move. Everybody move. Put your hand on the people that need. Keep your hand up until somebody's put their hands on you. Come on, there are people down the front here. Come on, Frank, Margaret, our leaders. Reach out to somebody in this room. Can I just have the keyboard, please, quickly? Somebody want to pray for Sally Ann? There's some ladies up the front here. Come on, everybody's got the living Christ in them. We 
We've got the Holy Spirit, the same Christ. Come on, young people, put your hands on somebody. You don't have to wait for the adults. Come on, Mark and Angela, come pray for Sunny Ann. Come on. It's one church, one body. Has the lady still got a hand up over there? Put your hand down if somebody is praying for you. Ask them what's wrong. Say, what's wrong? What can I pray for? And in the name of Jesus Christ, pray healing into their bodies. If you need a miracle this morning, God, say, God, I need my miracle this morning. I need my breakthrough this morning. You're a God of miracles. You open the blind eyes. You set the captives free. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch. Thank you that you're moving amongst us to this morning. Thank you for your wonderful Holy Spirit. Thank you for your resurrection power, mighty God. Thank you for your love for everyone in this room. Thank you that you died for everyone in this room, but rose again so that we can have victory in our bodies, victories in our bodies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, if you can move that part. Oh, the Lord's moving. Who needed a miracle this morning? Anybody? Praise God. Okay, take your seats. That'd be great. I look forward to the testimonies. You are all full-time ministers of the gospel. The same Christ, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, took Him out of that tomb, lives in each one of you. The same Christ, the same power lives in you. Hunger for miracles at the end of your hands. You are the light in this community. God lives in you. It was interesting that Isaiah says that they looked upon Jesus. There was nothing in him that would draw us to him. And there's nothing in you that would draw us to you except Christ. And then when I look around you and when I speak to some of you, I see Christ shining out of you. And that is attractive. That's not to say you're not good looking. You know what I mean? There's an attractiveness through Christ. But you've got to be honest, when you look in the mirror in the morning, you don't see Christ. Amen? The hair, you know, everything. Right? When you go out, as his sons and daughters, people see Christ in you. And that's attractive. Alright? That's attractive. The last thing I just wanted to share, the resurrection of Jesus provides victory and authority. But because of his great love for us,
we just have that slide up, Ephesians 2. It's coming. Slide number 18. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We can't see that, but that's the spiritual aspect of where we are and who we are. We are seated with Christ. If our eyes could only be opened to actually see the spiritual realm. To be seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms means that we are seated with Him in power, in authority, in rest, in peace, and in victory. He has made our enemies our footstool. All things are under His feet. And now all things are under our feet as well. Romans 8 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors. In other words, overwhelming victory through Him who loved us. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is what we need to walk in. This is the risen tomb, the risen Christ, the open tomb, that we have power and authority and victory. This is the restoration of everything that Adam and Eve lost in the beginning. And this speaks of absolute victory over every negative we face in this world. Not just historically and not just futuristically, but right here and now. Yes, that is the power of the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 John we say, see, in fact, this is love for God. This is our part, to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is is the Son of God. Give me an Amen if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Give me an Amen if you believe He rose on Easter Sunday. Give me an Amen if you believe that Easter Sunday is vitally important to us as Christians. You know, Easter Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago gave us a great victory. Jesus restored everything that lost was lost through Adam. And God's children inherit everything a son or daughter of God is entitled to. Not to lord it over anyone, but to walk in it in faith and humility. This is the victory. Our faith that overcomes the world. Our faith in Jesus Christ and His resurrection. Easter Sunday is the best. Amen.